Well, hello there, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. And today I have a special guest, Jonathan Shane, on the podcast. I've had Jonathan on two other times in the past. This will be his third time on, I do believe. Always a great conversation. He and I go way back. He just did a competition prep, and similar to me, he had his competitions canceled out from under him, had to do a photo shoot finale instead. And we talked about that. We talked about uh, the reverse diet, kind of his approach to the prep itself and his approach to the reverse diet. We talk about his future endeavor goals of being a marathon runner. We talk about all kinds of things. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was great to catch up with him. He's a good guy and just a good person. So it was fun to just connect, talk about how this virus has impacted our plans for competing and all that it's impacted in our lives. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Jonathan Shane. are live jonathan how are you man i'm doing pretty good man thanks for having me on again i'm excited oh you bet i'm excited to have you this is i was scrolling back looking at the prior podcast and i think you've been on twice before uh once when you were uh working here and then once i think after your we had a conversation i think about your first competition experience i believe was what it was about yeah we had we had a uh podcast i believe the first one was right after my first competition prep was over and then the second one was a couple months later. We talked about my experience with my first reverse diet and all that craziness. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, this this a lot has transcended since then, so this should be a pretty interesting conversation, man. I'm I'm excited to roll up my sleeves and dive in. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. I'm ready. So you and I share the the similarity in that you and I both were prepping for a competition that got canceled due to this coronavirus. Um, I kind of want to just start there. Like, let's let's. I want to dive into your head, man. Like, what did that make you feel from an emotional standpoint? How that kind of rock your world from a, a planned standpoint? Like, just walk me through that. Yeah, for sure. So, as everybody knows, the Corona thing happened, and um, you know, I it was kind of it was it was more it was very gradual for me. So, like, it did it wasn't like a huge slap in the face when I found out my show got canceled because I was kind of like, I was anticipating it, you know. And, restaurants started to shut down and then the gym got shut down and so i'm like six weeks out and i'm like oh crap i have like this just this gut-wrenching feeling that my show's gonna get canceled Mm -hmm. and sure enough i I woke up one morning and uh, i got an email that it was canceled and like like i said it was kind of something i i anticipated but of course once it actually happened like the reality of it like all this work that i had put into this you know, there's that moment where you're like, oh man, like it's all for naught now, you know? And, and that really struck me hard because, you know, it wasn't like I had just prepped for five months for this, which I had, but you know, there's the other year and a half before my prep started of me, like, you know, overcoming my eating disorders and, and building lean mass on a ketogenic diet without carbohydrates and like all these things that were going to come to this point, this moment of step on stage and saying, yeah, I worked two years for what you're about to see, you know? And, you know, so there's that, that fleeting moment of, I'm not going to get that moment. Um, and of course, you know, you have two options at that point. You can kind of like throw in the towel and just be like, ah, screw it. Um, you know, let's just like kind of let bygones be bygones and move on. Let's hit a reverse diet or whatever. Um, or, you know, I chose the latter, which was not letting my circumstance change my resolve. And I had a point to prove to myself um, in that moment that I could overcome regardless of the situation. I had a point to prove that, yeah, a trophy's cool. Yeah, trying to get my pro card would have been cool. But at the end of the day, I was doing it to beat myself. Um, and I was doing it to prove what's capable, um, you know, when you're able to find true self-awareness and, and have that self-resolve and, and uh, finish through. And so I buckled down and, and kept prepping for six weeks and it was crazy, man. You know, there, um, yeah, I didn't have any weights. There was no weights the last month and a half of my prep. It was like resistance bands. And like, I was using like broom, uh, uh, uh <laughs> broom poles as like, like uh, my bars. I would like tie it to like the cars and stuff. And, I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff to try and get a pump. It was insane. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I just busted through it. And, um, yeah, it, it was crazy, you know. But when I got to the photo shoot, 
you know, there was just, I, I couldn't explain it. Like, it was so surreal. Like, it was almost better than getting on a stage. And I know this might sound weird to you, but, like, um, it was just this, like, moment of, like, you know, if the show would have kept going and, and everything would have stayed normal, then it would have been cool to get on stage. And I still would have accomplished an amazing feat and I would have been proud of myself and yada, yada. But there's just something about knowing that I'm in this circle, like, I'm at this photo shoot because the odds were stacked against me in my environment and I overcame them. And that's why I'm in this photo shoot right now. And so like, there was just like this real, like surreal moment of closure for me that like, you know, now I know without a shadow of a doubt that regardless of what life throws at me, I have the ability and the capability and the willpower to white knuckle through it and get what I want. Um, and not let my circumstance change my resolve. So it was, it was a really surreal, um, um, time in my life it really did uh change the way I, I view myself and my capabilities for sure yeah i noticed the same thing with myself man like it's it was strange because you know like, like you said in the beginning it's not like a competition prep is just the result of you know however many weeks you spent dieting it's like especially as a natural athlete like i only compete every two and a half even three years because you have to have a legitimate off season to pack on muscle that's noticeably improved upon your last show presence so this basically started for me since my last competition ended, which was in 2017. So there's a lot that went into the timing, the preparation, and all that, that goes into a contest prep. So to have it just totally wiped out from underneath me last minute, that's never the news you want to hear. But, you know, similar to what you said, when, when I recognized that it was going to fall out that way and there was not going to be a show, how you approach the situation then is is really what defines the character that you are and who you are as a person. And there was so many people that just totally, that were also in a prep and they just, you know, went off the rails, ate a bunch of food, said, oh, it's it's over. There's no point in continuing. And if anybody has ever done a show, they know that at the end of the day, you're, you're more or less doing a show for your own benefit to prove to yourself that you can. So I felt like doing that would have defeated the purpose entirely and made it all totally worth worthless. Uh, so going through and continuing with the, the prep as planned and then having that photo shoot as the finale was good but it's 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 different man it's like there's 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 pros and cons to the photo shoot i felt like at the end of the day you just you can't ever really replicate what the what you get from stepping on stage with other people that have gone through something similar like you don't have the camaraderie there so much but knowing that you stuck to it and had to do the photo shoot as you said because you were in circumstances that were outside your control that were negative and you made the most of it. Like there is a lot of resolve that comes from that, that you wouldn't have gotten from a normal photo or from a normal competition. So it's kind of like give and take on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. And I think, I think also like for me personally, uh, you know, towards the end, because I had six weeks, it wasn't like, you know, yours, unfortunately it was like one week away, you know, which totally sucks. Um, but I had like a month and a half to really like buckle down and kind of see how I wanted to perceive this. So like, you know, I really like I had my old spreadsheet compared to I would like put in my weigh-ins and I would compare them to my old weigh-ins. And like I got really, really like like uh, tunnel focused on just beating myself. And so for me, like that photo shoot was like, you know, getting on that stage. And like, you know, that's why like when I put those comparison photos up on Instagram, um, afterwards, I was like, that's what I needed. This right here, this proof right here that I slapped myself in the face. And if we were to get on an actual stage, I know who would walk off with that trophy. And like that for me was like, it was cake. Yeah, that's huge, man. <laughs> that is very, very huge. Let's dive into some of the nuts and bolts of the, the prep itself, man. Like what are some things you do differently this prep versus your last prep? What are some things that you would do differently going forward? Like just kind of walk me through some of the mechanics. Yeah, for sure. So one thing I would definitely do for starters is not start off 50 pounds away from my, my uh, stage weight. Um, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a good that. first step. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I started I started at 232 pounds, and I was quite aggressive with the calorie reduction. I didn't – like I didn't like drop straight down to 1,500 and stay there. I definitely did like a gradual tapering, but it was a little bit more aggressive than uh my prior cut you know that one i think I, we were doing like 100 calories per week i think or maybe 50 in some instances mm -hmm. and this one i was doing closer to like 250 like at some weeks just just cutting chunks out 
Um, and then I started, because of that though, I started implementing refeeds a little bit earlier. And I think at the beginning, it was much more of a psychological thing. Like they were just my, my aggression towards cutting the calories weekly, those little bumps in calories once a week kind of gave me something to look forward to with how aggressive I was being. But I think they also helped me metabolically towards the end because I was being so aggressive that the, um, you know, those helped kind of like allowing me to continue to lose weight, even though I had been so dramatic with lowering the calories. Uh, one thing went from a macronutrient standpoint that was interesting was I, I went to do, you know, as we both know is a good way of handling it is like finding that protein threshold and something weird happened where like, you know, last time I had done something like this, like my protein threshold was like 76%. And this time, like I just kept going and like, I, I didn't start feeling like a real like mental change until I got down to like 65% fat. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know why, like I, I, I theorize that, depending on the individual and genetics and all of that um, and how fat adapted they are, the more fat adapted they get, the more protein they can tolerate. And so just with me as an individual, I just found that like the longer fat adapted I am, the more protein I can handle. So I got down to like 65% uh, fat. Um, and then obviously total carbs always stay 15 grams or lower. I don't no carb ups here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I totally agree but, with your theory. I've got the same theory. I feel like the longer you're adapted and the more deeply adapted you get, the higher your protein threshold becomes. Because like with this prep for me, I didn't hit my protein threshold until I was basically a one-to-one. -one. I think I was at 200 grams of protein, 200 grams of fat, and then I started dropping protein down as I got lower on the calories. But I've noticed that with all my clients over the years too. Like The more deeply adapted they are, the more protein they can tolerate, um, especially in the context of a caloric deficit. Yeah, I totally agree. I have a couple clients like that as well. Um, you know, and they're like, Hey, I had, I, I'm in a super high protein that I thought I would be. And I explained, I'm like, well, you know, it's because of how fat adapted you are because of the process we took starting you at higher fat. If you were to jump straight from a normal diet to this, you would feel miserable right now. Bingo. Right. But it was the, yeah, but it was the transition that we did starting at that higher fat, allowing your body to get truly fat adapted. Um, and then slowly transitioning is what, you know, allowed this to happen in a way that your body just kind of made that transition seamlessly. I feel like there's this demographic of people that have tried to start the ketogenic diet, like they're coming from a traditional carbohydrate based approach. They're trying to start the keto diet and they've come into the, the keto sphere at a time when higher protein is sexy. Like that's what the talk is right now. Like for a while, that was all about higher fat, you know, gluconeogenesis. You don't want too much protein. And then now it's kind of shifted on a macro level to where protein is given this halo. However, a lot of these people that are preaching this halo given protein have been adapted for very, very long periods of time. Whereas the people that are just coming into the diet and they're hearing this, it's kind of all out of context. And they start doing this higher protein version of keto and they don't really feel optimal because they're not as deeply as adapted as they should be. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think, you know, there's a lot of influencers that, you know, and a lot of people in the space that speak out about particular ways of doing keto, you know, whether it's uh, the higher protein and some people, you know, they start introducing the targeted and all of that. And I think that, you know, we have to be careful because there are a lot, as you said, there are a lot of people that are, you know, keto still hot and there are people that have never done it before that are coming into it and they're hearing all of these, these ideas of how to do it correctly that are based on people, as you said, that are, have been fat adapted for a while. And so I think that we need to be careful about like what we promote and make sure that it's in context um, if we're going to promote it. And I think a lot of people don't, they just kind of like, this is the way that I do keto, you know, you can do it or not do it. I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, give context because if you're just like saying this is the way to do it, but someone, tries that and it makes them feel miserable because they're not fat adapted then you just someone that could have really benefited from a ketogenic diet is not going to try keto again yeah. you know and now that's a whole other issue in itself yeah totally agree i i feel like i've had an advantage as far as this prep has been concerned relative to you in that since i've got my own warehouse gym here at the compound i haven't really had to to use broom handles uh for barbells <laughs> um 
but but that's been a I, I was I was pretty impressed, man. You you just kept on trucking like you wouldn't let the training uh, become an excuse. I feel like a lot of people now that the gyms are closed, they just gave up on training. A lot of people, you know, they started doing all the body weight and resistance band stuff. It was pretty crazy to see how creative people were getting with regards to training. But hats off to you for for you know sticking to your guns and continuing to get that pump. Man, no, I yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was insane. I definitely um. I remember like the first week, uh, my wife had never used bands and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I met Brandon. This is awesome. I know what to do now. I know what to do right now in this situation. <laughs> no excuses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, uh, it, it's kind of crazy, man. Like the, the gym scene right now, cause I don't know what it's like where you're at, but in Arkansas, they're just now starting to open up some of their gyms, but it's, it's like with limited hours and you have to stand, you know, six feet away from people. You have to have a mask on while you're in the middle of a set, but you can take your mask off to catch your breath after a set. It's like all these rules and regulations and I'm just sticking to my normal day to day with my own gym. It, it's made me appreciate having a gym that I can go to without having to, you know, access public facilities. Yeah, I, I will tell you that uh, this whole and this whole situation has definitely. I told my wife, I was like, if there, if a lo- if another lockdown happens, I don't care how much we spend. Like, I'm investing in a home gym. Like, it's getting built. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pre- it's pretty crazy. It's gonna be interesting. I think our gyms open up next week, and uh, you know, one thing I, I'm telling myself. Anybody else is listening that their gyms are opening up? Do not go all out when you first get under a weight. You know, you've been two months. Like, I have to remind myself of that because I'm gonna want to like go balls to the walls, and that I'm just gonna. It's not smart. You have to like take 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 it easy, easy yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a difference between the resistance you get from a elastic band versus a 250 pound loaded barbell. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. <laughs> Not not to knock resistance bands at all. Those I've been incorporating a lot more of those, and I feel like they they have a place for sure. Yeah, I you know okay. So I'll say this from from this experience: resistance bands. I I feel like my body composition has changed since I got away from weights. Like I feel like my muscle tissue is developing more of an aesthetic look um, and more of that leaner, flatter look rather than that glycogen filled look. And I think that's because my body's adapting to the stimulus, and so. While I do think it's easy, you know, I, I don't think it's easy, but it's definitely doable to build muscle with resistance bands. I do dif- think it's a different kind of um, muscle tissue in a sense, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like when you go under a, a weight or a barbell, you know, your body will replenish um, those muscle fibers with glycogen a lot more so to have that and we'll get that full look to handle that amount of stress whereas with resistance bands you can create a lot of stimulus over you know a wide variety of repetitions and angles and you're gonna you know stimulate the muscle to grow but i don't think that your body's going to respond in terms of like glycogen filled out and 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 uh, recovery in the same way as someone that's you know loading a 250 pound barbell as you said yeah i I agree i've looked at um you know, I, I watch Brandon in his training, and he's he's like jacked and lean and and super fit, and he can he can come and pull you know four or five on the on the bar doing deadlifts without skipping a beat. So it's like you can definitely build and maintain strength with the body weight and the resistance. But like if I was if I had my choice, you know, if I was gonna pick one form of exercise for the rest of my life, like I would definitely want to be able to incorporate some of that resistance uh, from like a, a plate loaded you know, mechanism, but I look at what you're able to do with resistance bands, the fact that they're light, they're mobile. I mean, you can get a great pump with them. You can totally, you know, get a good solid workout like that. There's a lot to be said for that. Like I, I've been getting into sailing lately, totally off topic here, but I've been getting into sailing with my dad and he's got aspirations to sail across the world someday. And the only thing that's ever really kept me from wanting to jump on that with him is that I wouldn't have a gym, but I could totally bring these bands with me. And, you know, and like tie them to the mast pole of the boat and just go to work and, and be able to at least maintain what I've built over the years, you know? Yeah. No, no. I'm sorry. I got the image in my head of like, you know, some guy on some Air Force boat, you know, in the middle of like the Atlantic Ocean. They look over and there's some sailboat. And there's like you outside just like two <laughs> rows on the boat. I would definitely be doing that, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No hesitation. I've I've been again. It's totally off topic, but I've been learning how to sail, and it is, it is so 
much fun, man. Like you don't go fast at all. Like I'm I'm probably reaching a top speed of like six miles an hour. I could probably run faster than I can sail. But it feels so different. Like there's so many dimensions to the movement that's taking place. Like you've got the wind, you've got the boat, you've got the keel, you've got the rudder. Like there's just so much geometry going on, but like you feel connected and you're propelling yourself without a motor. It's just relaxing. Like it's been kind of like this weird escapism thing that I've gotten into lately because it, it makes me feel creative, but you can't think about the other stressors of the world when you're on a sailboat. It's kind of similar to like hunting for me. Like when I'm out hunting, I'm not thinking about, you know, taxes and payroll and bills. Like I'm thinking about being present and I get the same vibe from sailing. No, that's awesome. It's it's actually funny that it's ironic that you brought up hunting because I was about to, you know, when you got done explaining, say that, um, you know, I feel the same with my first hunting experience I had before all this lockdown stuff happened was, you know, there was just so much going on. And like, you know, that hunting experience, it wasn't like hunting antelope. It was more like I would say it was more like uh, hunting like the mountainside stuff that you did. I mean, obviously I, I wasn't there, but from what I saw, it kind of felt it looked like it was similar. You know, we weren't like in some deer blind and like the deer came to the feeder. Like, you know, we, we hunted this thing, you know, we, 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 uh, we tracked it for like 800 yards. I put the AR over the dude's shoulder with a night scope on. It was like nighttime. We'd been out there for like 14 hours hunting. Like it was crazy. And, but it was so peaceful. And like, there were so many things going on, like little logistic things that like, you couldn't focus on anything else. Like you had to be in that moment. And that was like such an amazing experience and like so surreal. So yeah, I totally resonate with that. I've, I've been having all these epiphanies lately regarding my personal take on escapism, minimalism, and then just having a balance to your life and I, I continue to conclude that balance is bullshit like I think trying to have this disconnected you know system of your life in which you've got like your nine to five work schedule you have like your your family time which is not interrelated at all like you have like these hobbies that are unrelated like I don't feel like that is optimal for me I try and find ways to make everything cohesive symbiotic in nature so that every part benefits the whole but I do think having something that allows you to disconnect and then come to the table with more creativity when you do return is absolutely important. And like you need to kind of weigh out how much time you're going to allocate towards each thing. But if like figure out what your individual disconnect time is that warrants the most increase in creativity during productive hours, and that's kind of like your sweet spot. So like for me, having that hunting season, having you know time on the sailboat, allows me to be a better businessman, a better entrepreneur, a better athlete when it's time to, you know, when it's go time. And I feel like that is, is very key. Yeah. I, I remember the first time he told me that balance is bullcrap and I was like, yeah, I never thought about that, but he's right. Like, you know, it's more of like, it's not really having balance, but more of prioritizing, uh, balancing your scale. So like you have a scale and like you focus on one thing and the scale kind of teeters up. And so then you put more weight on the other part and then that's how you kind of generate a, a, a overall consistency of life but it doesn't come from like balancing both equally it comes from prioritizing when you need different parts of your life and like making that all cohesive as you said and yeah i agree with you, you know that's something like how i got into the whole uh, deciding to like not bodybuild anymore and, and get into marathon running and that kind of like developed partly from that like trying to look at my goals and like growing my coaching business and, and focusing on building a family and starting a family with my wife and then also like you know uh, uh working on myself and, and my uh, self-awareness and my eating disorders and all of that stuff that you know i work at overcoming every day and um you know what can i do that allows me to escape um but that allows me to like pursue my, my, my fitness goals. And like, you know, that allows me to have the nutrition plan in which it allows me to like have that free time and that freedom to like, you know, focus on my wife and stuff. And so, and running became kind of like the center point of all of that. And so I, I totally understand where you're coming from and agree with you. Well, I definitely wanted to touch on the, the running switch. Let's dive into that. So you uh, have decided you made it public that you're, you're not pursuing bodybuilding as a career per se so much as you are now trying to qualify and run the Boston Marathon in the near future correct correct so so dive into that man like 
for me personally, having been bodybuilding now for 10 or 11 years, I don't think I would be able to do that. Like I'm so entrenched and I, I love it. Like it's by choice, but I don't think that I personally would be able to go from bodybuilding as my main thing to running as my main thing. Like I love to run and I run as a, uh, you know, add on to bodybuilding, but I, I don't know that I can make the, the shift as, as paramount and, and, and big as you have. So kind of talk about the motivation behind that. Yeah. So I was, there's, there's so many roads we can go down when it comes to why I kind of made that transition, you know, because obviously I love strength training. I love strength training and bodybuilding really was, it, it had a huge impact on me gaining control of my eating disorders of me overcoming my fat phobias. And like, there's just so much that goes into like what bodybuilding, the, the freedoms that bodybuilding gave me. Um, but at the end of the day, like for me personally, when I dig deep, you know, bodybuilding isn't like part of my identity. It's just a, it, it's something that I enjoyed thoroughly. It was a challenge that I enjoyed thoroughly that made a big impact in my life. And so when I was, um, go, when I was going into my prep this year, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do afterwards. And I was looking at a couple of things. I was looking at my relationship with my wife. I was looking at my, my, my business and what I wanted my brand to represent, right? Like was my focus on bodybuilders per se, or was it on the general population and like helping them find what true nutrition means for them? Uh, you know, and then, you know, with my wife, you know, the thing is, is that with bodybuilding, I take the macros and stuff very, very seriously. And you should, you should absolutely. Um, but like my wife didn't marry a bodybuilder, you know, I, decided to take that on way after our marriage started and so like you know there were like meals that like I missed all the time even when I was bulking and like so for me I have a hard time because of the way that I, I handle things it's totally personal um, I have a hard time balancing even in the off season like my my macros and my food and then my family time like I, I generally I would just eat all my food, get it out of the way, you know? And so like, that was just kind of something that was missing in my life. And so I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do to, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, kind of put the weight on the other side of the scale. Um, and I realized that, you know, just for me to focus on those things, I couldn't take bodybuilding as seriously. And that bothered me because like, when it comes to fitness and if I don't have a fitness goal that I take very seriously, uh, that, that, that itches me because like, I like, you know, I'm, I'm all or nothing kind of human being. Um, and so then I started thinking about different, um, things I could do. And so like strong man came up to my mind and I was trying to find like different sports that like, that were extreme that I could like go all out on, but like, I didn't feel the need to track like every gram of what I ate, um, so that I could kind of balance that time with my wife and, 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 and kind of like work on the other side of my eating disorders. Um, because through all the bodybuilding, you know, and this too, but like I went from, you know, not being able to control my food intake and binging and purging and all of that. to now I had like food anxiety. And if I didn't know every gram of everything, it like stressed me out. And so I was still, food was still like ruling my life in a way. Yeah. And so I wanted to like work on that intuitive, like listening to my body, you know, because bodybuilding did help make that eating disorder voice very, very quiet. And so now I want to transition into something I've never had as a human being, which is a normal relationship with food and like developing like that, listening to my body, listening to how my body recovers and like, do I need a little bit more fat that day? Do I need a little bit more protein? Like learning what that looks and feels like. Um, and so I all this is on my mind. And then the day after my photo shoot, I went for like this four mile run and it felt so good. I was like, like I, I was like, Robert, I was on top of the world when I got home. Like I was in such a good mood. And my wife's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know if it was all the steak yesterday or that run, but man, I feel good. Um, and I went for another one the next day and another one. And I just like, I don't know, something happened in the first like four or five days after my show. I just fell in love with running every morning. I, I wouldn't even drink water or coffee. I would like wake up, throw on my shoes and just go for it. Um, and then so I started thinking about running and I brought it up to my mom. And, and it kind of off topic, but she was like, 
um, you know, it's funny you, you, you bring up running because, you know, when you were a kid, you used to run a lot and people used to tell me to put you in track all the time. And I'm like, oh, so I might have a knack for this thing. Okay. And so then the wheel started turning on my head. And then, um, you know, I was like, man, I would love to run a marathon. I just, I, I know Robert's done it and I saw the mental push it took him. And I like that, like that, that attracts me, like, you know, same reason bodybuilding attracted me, just like the extreme. Um, and I was like, you know, of course I had to take it a step further. And I'm like, you know what? I want to qualify for Boston. I want to go for it. You know, it's, uh, uh, let's, let's set the date for three, two or three years out of the, out of the way. You know, that way I have a huge long goal to shoot for, um, you know, and with marathon training, you know, eating is very intuitive and like, you have like certain protein and fats, especially as like a ketogenic athlete you want to hit. But like, for the most part, like calories fluctuate depending on how intense the training is that day and how intense the training is going to be the next day. And if you're like prepping for an actual marathon. And so like, it's just, there's, um, it's a completely different world, which is exciting in itself, but like, um, it's just, it's new and it kind of, as I've been transitioning into it through my reverse diet, it's really allowed me to put the weight on the other parts of those scales. And so it's working for me. And, and, and it's something that I honestly, you know, I, I did my first time mile yesterday and it was a 644. And, uh, you know, for me, like I, I wasn't expecting to be able to run a mile that fast. And so like, for me, like I see potential that like I could be really good at this and, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of work and it's going to take time, but I'm about it. So I don't know. It just like all those things kind of fit together, kind of like a puzzle piece, you know, like when you have that aha moment, and you're like, this is it. This is the, this is the thing. Like, this is the thing that I'm going to put my all into and like running, running marathons and endurance training has, has started to become that thing for me. I like it, man. I, I do feel like you've got a lot of potential there. I mean, when you came here, uh, and we went running that one time. I, I mean, I didn't know that. I don't, I don't think you were running at all at that point. And I'd been running pretty, pretty regularly. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna run. This is like a 1.3 mile loop. Um, you know, keep up with me if you can. And lo and behold, you were like trucking. And I'm like, man, this guy's he's a freaking runner. So I think you got the potential to do that for sure. What, what is the the qualification requirements for Boston? Dude, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. It's like. I have to, so it's less than three hours. So it's like, it's under, it's seven minute miles for the entire marathon. And you want to, you want to shoot for under that. So basically uh, I have, I'm having a good friend Frida uh, coach me. And um, I, I sent her the screenshot yesterday of that six minute, 44 second mile. She's like, all right, now imagine doing that 26 times on repeat. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, this is going to be insane. <laughs> yeah, the, the the length of time that these elite-level endurance runners can maintain that kind of pace is what blows my mind. Like, the pace itself for a mile is impressive alone. You know, like, that that's an impressive mile alone. But to be able to do it, you know, for 26 times, 27 times, you get these ultra-endurance, like Zach Bitter doing it, like, 100 times over. I'm like, good gosh, I might. I can't even fathom that. Yeah. And you know what? So it's actually really exciting for me too. Like, I know that like Zach Bitter does more of like a fat based diet and he like eats in phases. I was studying that yesterday. And there's other like fat fueled athletes, but you know, one thing I noticed is they still incorporate, they still increase their carbs at some point. Mm -hmm. And, um, which, which is fine. I get it. You're running a hundred miles glycogen. Like I totally understand the science behind it, but just, I just want to see, what somebody, if somebody really capitalizes on being fat fueled for years at a time, you know, I've been, I've been keto for almost three years with no high glycemic carbohydrate intake, you know, it, what am I capable of? If I optimize the way my body uptakes glycogen and creates glucose within itself based off, you know, and like I do the, the right ratios of fat to protein um, and I, and I get conditioned, like, like what could I be capable of? You know, cause like you're the first of your kind, you know, even ketogenic bodybuilders, quote unquote, uh, you know, they still intake rice or do keto targeted keto, right? Like you're, you're a rarity of like not doing any carbs at all. And like, I'm excited to possibly be that in this space, like be that rarity of like, even as like a fat adapted athlete, um, you know, seeing what the body can do without any like exogenous high glycemic carb intake during training or during the race you know and i'm not saying like zero carb because i don't want to go carnivore like obviously we eat vegetables and stuff but like from a from a pure like leaning on it as a fuel um, yeah. i'm very interested to see what 
what I can uh, pull off. That's that that excites me because I feel like we need more. Not that I want to like qual- consider myself a, a keto purist by any means, but I don't know if that's the right word. But like a legitimate strict ketogenic athlete, like I get so tired of all the noise and nonsense out there about you haven't have carbs for these you know finite periods of time in the bodybuilding space and the endurance space. Like I ran my marathon with zero training, zero prep work, zero carbs. I compete now as a professional bodybuilder with zero carbs. Like you don't have to have carbs, period. And more people need to hear that message because it's just so, you know, confounded by all the noise out there from people that are preaching the exact opposite. They don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah, so it's funny you bring that up. So, um, you know, I'm about to graduate. I'll graduate in about a month as a nutritional therapist practitioner. And uh, one of the last classes that we go through is performance nutrition. And, you know, they have one person talking about a ketogenic diet and the other person talking about a higher carbohydrate based diet. Because like nutritional therapy is all about like, you know, uh, uh, really just a, a balanced diet. And like some people eat higher carbs, some people higher fat, you know, it's about bioindividuality, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what I found interesting, though, was with all the studies that they brought up, there was no and, and, and valid. They had valid points, valid science. You know, obviously after a certain VO two max, glycogen takes over. Um, you know, so and, and you're gonna run out of that. So blah blah blah. Uh, and all that has weight. But we look. You know, when they brought up the studies about the ketogenic athletes or if the keto diet made performance past that go down, both the speakers that I've I've listened to in lectures both were like, but. The problem is, is that it can take up to a year to get fully fat adapted and none of these studies test for long enough or have people that have been strictly keto for over, you know, six weeks. And so there's just so much gray area and so much unknown when it comes to, as you said, someone that's like really strict keto. And so like, I'm really interested to see, you know, as you keep going and, and, and me going in this endeavor, like what we're capable of, you know, because it's just unknown. The sky's the limit, man. The sky's the limit. I wanna I wanna dive deep into the reverse diet that you're going through now and like the eating disorders relationship with food because you know, I'm I'm basically in the same phase right now. I'm week seven I think yeah, I think this is the seventh week into my reverse diet. Uh how many weeks are you in now? Uh four. This is four week four. Four. So let's let's talk about that, man, because I feel like that is something that a lot of people go through if they've done a competition prep for sure. But if, even if they've done like a pretty strict, you know, dieting uh, regimen for any length of time. So let's just kind of roll up our sleeves and, and, and peel the curtain back on that because there's a lot of emotions that come with that. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, a lot of nuance. So just talk to me about your reverse diet. Yeah, for sure. So um, I started it. I, I, it's funny. I about six weeks before my prep ended, I was already trying to like figure out my reverse diet because if there's anything I learned uh, from the first one, it was that you have to have a plan, you know. And it's something that I, I teach all my clients. And like we had this group coaching thing, and reverse dieting was the topic a couple weeks back. And you know, I told all of them, I like, listen, everybody's reverse diet is going to look a bit a little bit different depending on how much weight you're willing to put back on. What's your end goal? But you have to have a plan. You have to have a reverse diet. It might look different, but you have to have one. Um, and knowing what that is beforehand, I think is like really key. So um, basically what I did was right out of the jump, I increased my calories by about 200 a day. And I knew that that might make me gain a quarter of a pound of fat or something, you know, because it's a little bit more aggressive, you know, coming out the gate. But it's what I needed to make it more sustainable for me. And, and it worked, you know, I... Uh, jumped on it. I was fine. Um, I had my two refeeds a week. Um, you know, my date nights kind of like similar to what you were doing. Um, and that went well for the first two weeks. And then last week, uh, on my date night, I, I kind of went a little overboard for me. You know, uh, it's funny. I say overboard. It's only 5,000 calories. I think about like your 8,000 calorie day. I'm like, there's nothing, you know, um, uh, but understanding too that like, and this is why everybody's reverse diet's a little different. Like, you know, you one were a lot more controlled in your lowering of your calories during your prep. You started a lot leaner. You didn't lose as much weight. Your hormones stayed uh, pretty optimal, which mine did too. But you know, I'm pretty sure yours were a little bit better because of 
the slow transition and the less weight loss and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you can afford to be a little bit more aggressive with your calories, right? Whereas like I can't get away with that. I was a lot more aggressive. I lost 50 pounds of body fat, um, you know, and I held a lower caloric intake for a while. I mean, my last, the last month, I was at 1500 calories every day for the last month of my cut. Yeah. So definitely a very different situation, right? Um, and so like I had that day and it, it, I didn't like it. Like I didn't like um, having this day where like I just opened the floodgates because with my bulimia, with my eating disorders, I've over the, the time that I've been in recovery, you know, it'll be uh, September of this year, it'll be two years without a relapse. So I've been in recovery for almost two years. And, you know, with having the self-awareness I've developed, you know, I realized that like having a day like that, like having like a quote unquote free day with restrictive days um, doesn't really work for me um, if I really want to like develop that, that eating norm that I want, because even if I'm not really hungry or if I'm not like really excited about it, once my brain registers that I can eat all I want, my binge tendencies want to take over. Totally. And so like, and so like I'll, even if I only eat 5,000 calories, I feel gross. And then like, it just starts to cycle in my head that I have to work through. And so basically what I did this week, and you might find this interesting. I'm, I'm actually making a vlog about it. I'm calling it um, from daily average to daily intake. So basically what I did was I looked at my, I plugged in my refeeds, my, my, my free days last week and my, my uh, daily intake on my uh, macro days. And I said, okay, what's my daily average, right? And it was like 2,400 calories. Um, and so I said, okay, so why instead of having these two free days that kind of trigger some of these thoughts in my head, why don't I just take a weekend, let's transition from that being my daily average to that being my daily intake and have no refeed days. So basically I was at like 2000 calories a day plus the two free days. And then this week, every day I've been adding like 10 grams of fat to my macros. Uh, and by the end of the week, I'll be back, I'll be up to like 2400 calories a day. And so basically I'll be at a place where I'm comfortable and I'm, you know, and, and I'm satiated, uh, you know, because my hunger hormones have bounced back pretty well. Uh, but I won't have like free days. Basically the way I do it is because I'm trying to transition more into that marathon training mindset anyways, like we talked about. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like calorie fl like fluctuation. So basically like if I go a hundred calories over or under or like five or 10 grams over or under every day, like that will balance out, you know? So like, I, I still have like a structured goal I want to hit but I'm a little bit more lenient. Like if I decide, oh, I want a little extra because, you know, my wife's having dinner and I want to have a salad with her. I'll have that salad and I'm not going to like overthink it. Uh, and that's kind of given me um, that it, it's weird because it, it doesn't sound structured, but in my mind it is because I don't have those free days where I just get to go crazy. But like every day has a good enough amount of food and then like, at the end of the week, it all balances out. And I, and, and, you know, that's what I've been transitioning into this week. And I've actually quite enjoyed it, if I'm being honest. The, the one thing I've noticed with regard to reverse dieting is, you know, I've done, I don't know how many shows I've done now in total, but I've done several shows. I've gone through several preps, several reverse diets. And one thing that holds true is that my maturity and my just level of experience around how I approach both physically and mentally reverse diet improves every time I cycle through a prep and like the first one I went through I was binging like crazy I put on I wasn't keto at the time but I was putting on like you know I put 20 pounds of weight on like overnight literally um and the second round you know I was also not keto so I was kind of better but not near as optimal as I am now and I feel like being keto through reverse diet's a massive improvement because your hormones are just much, much more regulated than they are when you're not. But from like a, you know, psychological standpoint, there is no complete freedom from these strange eating and feeding tendencies. I feel like when you do mm -hmm. a contest prep, you're doing something that's very unnatural. Like you are, you are doing something that is so far outside the norm, both, you know, physically and mentally, that you can't really expect for the re the the recourse of that the the other in the spectrum to be totally natural. So 
you're not ever going to have complete freedom around your, uh, you know, thoughts towards food in the context of a reverse diet immediately post-show. What you can have control over is being self-aware of that and then adjusting accordingly with a plan, with a strategy. But like to think that you can go through reverse diet after a very intensive contest prep and have zero, you know, strange thoughts, relationship with food, I feel like that's an unrealistic goal. I feel like you can definitely have that in a healthy, sustainable, you know, nutritional and training protocol, but not necessarily in the context of a legitimate contest prep. What's your thoughts on that? No, I completely agree with that. You know, uh, I, I think that like especially in a reverse diet like the the mental view of food can get so skewed because as you said during the prep like you know especially the latter half you really start to like look at food in an unnatural light because at that point you're not i mean you're eating to be optimal especially on a ketogenic uh uh contest prep you're definitely eating like the right foods but like everything is like for a particular purpose and like you're, you know, you're chronically underfeeding. And so like, even though like, even though like, you know, you don't have to think about food as much because you're not eating six meals a day, you know, you're eating one, maybe two, uh, you know, and, and the food's a little bit more satiating and it helps with hormones. As you said, you know, at the end of the day though, you're still like, you still obsess about it. You still think about it. It's still always on your mind. It becomes like this thing you look forward to and like, instead of like food being part of like an experience, the food is the experience when you eat and like, it just kind of like skews things. And so, yeah, like getting, getting into a reverse diet. Um, I don't think anybody can expect, you know, to have a normal relationship with food. And I think people that try to do that really fail because when we accept something as normal, we get very lax about mm -hmm. it. And so there is no structure. There is no plan. There is no, you know, this is what I'm going to do. You know, it's kind of like, it'd be one thing like with what I'm doing right now with the whole transition of like making my daily average, just my daily intake, you know, that's a plan that I have in place based off of my self-awareness of my tendencies and what works best for me. You know, it would be different if it was like, Oh, okay. I feel normal today because today I didn't have a weird thought. I'm just going to like forget my reverse diet and move on with my life. I'm normal again. Right. That's not going to work. You give it a couple days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something's going to bite you. Um, and so I think that definitely I, I agree with you. Like, I think that it's it, that's why it's so important. Like everybody's reverse diet's going to look a little different, but you, you have to have a plan and you have to realize that it takes time. You know, like, you know, even though I'm going to the, I'm not going to have refeeds anymore and I've just increased my daily average. Like I still have another, I don't think my reverse diet's going to end for at least another eight weeks. Like it takes time um, for the hormones to bounce out, even on a keto diet. I just think it's super important to have that self-awareness and have a plan that gives you structure, control, and boundaries. Um, totally. You know, because like I, I've had people come to me and go, John, I don't know what happened. I just ate like, you know, half a block of cheese. Like, help me. And I'm like, it's okay. I've been there. Like, I get it. It's freaky. Like, yes, you, you feel like you can't control yourself sometimes. Like, and so, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I, I think that a lot of people need to be um, – self-aware and like be like really realistic with like uh, where they're at mentally going into the yeah i feel like it's it's much more realistic contest prep. yeah it's much yeah. more realistic and much more approachable if you are honest with yourself and and rather than transitioning out of a contest prep and saying okay look i'm gonna go back to eating normal and have a perfect relationship with food and everything's gonna be sunshine and rainbows i feel like you're much better off being like okay i'm Going into reverse diet, I'm going to have some strange thoughts towards food, some strange eating tendencies. It, it's going to be weird. I need to embrace that, have a plan, have a strategy, and be totally honest with myself as I go through it. Like for me, you know, I've been keeping, um, I've been increasing my, my weekly calories with having two uh, very high refeed days, but there's a plan towards the refeed days, there's a plan towards the daily intake like there's always a plan and i'm tracking mm -hmm. my weight i'm tracking my my metrics i'm tracking everything so that i can be honest with the results and and the feedback i'm getting too like i noticed that um i increased my weight a little bit more than i would find optimal these past two weeks so over the next two weeks i'm going to reel things in a little bit and i'm going to kind of return to more of a, a a healthy gradual increase as opposed to just a, a much of a jump not much of a jump in the grand scheme of what most reverse diets look like but more aggressive than i personally want to see like right now 
I think I'm averaging about six pounds or so over my, you know, lightest weight um, during the course of the prep. And I'm seven weeks into the reverse, which I feel like is pretty freaking awesome. Do you, are you tracking like your weight or body fat or anything right now? Yeah, so I am tracking my weight and my body fat. Um, I only so I I did weigh myself for like two weeks because like the fluctuations were like messing with my head and like with that self awareness. So I was like, okay, I know when it's time to take a break, just to like so that I stick to my macros and I don't overthink anything. Mm-hmm. And stick to the plan. Um, but I am. I weighed myself the other day. I'm one eighty nine point nine, and show day I was one eighty three point two. So four weeks, four weeks post show, I'm. I only put on like six pounds, maybe. Yeah, I guess that's I'm not about bad. where you're at. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 to be honest, I told myself even if I got it because I want because I can't. Well, this is another rabbit hole we can get down in a second, but like I can't start training for marathons yet because I am reverse dieting and the amount of energy it takes to like do actual marathon training. I'm just not at a caloric load daily that I need to be able to sustain that. So uh, even if I gain some like a pound or two I didn't want it's gonna come off when I start marathon training I'm gonna melt I already know that so I'm not like overthinking it but I'm pretty happy with the results for yeah. sure that's that's so huge man like being able to be honest with yourself like a lot of people throw away the scale indefinitely and they're like I don't want to look at it like they'll, they'll be like a an ostrich just stick their head in the sand but that's not really the route you want to go either like you want to be totally honest with yourself and upfront with the numbers but then know how to fix those numbers like if they're not the numbers you're looking for then embrace the change that needs to happen to make them the numbers you're looking for but also be realistic with the numbers like it's not realistic to expect you're going to be at the same weight you know two months post show like you have to expect some weight gain you're going to have more water retention like everything's going to go up a little bit which is good but embrace that be aware of it and plan for it yeah 100 percent. i think one thing and for me this brings it back to actually this like central point every decision you make you need to be conscious of that decision like i think that's my big thing like that's one thing i can say my contest prep and this is so different than last time my contest prep my reverse diet everything everything i put in my mouth even if it was like an untracked day a day where i decided to have a free day like you know my refeeds during my reverse diet uh or my diet breaks at the beginning of my contest prep but every single morsel of food that went in my mouth, every rep in the gym, every time I stepped on the scale, everything I did, I was making a conscious decision to make it. I never felt out of control. I never felt like I lost myself. I never felt like I had some unconscious binge session. Um, I was always in control. I was always conscious of the decision and I was always trying to make sure that it was what was best for me in the moment. And if I did slip up on something, I learned from it and I was conscious of that too. And I think like for me, like that's what I'm most proud of. Um, And like that really like for me kind of like um, reflects where I've come from. And so I think for anybody listening to this, like if you're going to do a reverse that you're going to contest prep, you're going to, you know, do some extreme sport, like, Make sure that you're conscious of the, every decision you make. Like that should be the main focus. If you try to be conscious of every decision you make during that process, you're gonna make a structured plan. You're going to keep it in line. You're going to react to in a way that's going to bring your body um, beneficial um, situations. You know, like if you do put on more weight than you want, like you're gonna be aware of that. You're gonna make a conscious decision to reel things back in. Like I think having a a plan to be conscious of all the choices you make. Um, I think is like a huge foundational piece for me. Yeah, totally agree, man. And and being able to like track it and have, you know, that feedback, that perspective is is so so empowering. Like the other day when I had that eight thousand calorie day, like nobody needs to eat eight thousand calories. But what I was trying to figure out was how my body responds to this, uh, you know, massive spike. Like, is it a bad response? Is it a good response? Is it indifferent? Like, is it? It just gives me as a coach and as an athlete, more perspective. So I can take that knowledge and improve upon it going forward. And, you know, honestly, my body didn't respond poorly at all. Like it wasn't necessary to eat that much food, but I had like, you know, zero GI distress. Um, My weight wasn't really up that much the next day. Like my body responded well to it. So I can kind of see what an extreme upper threshold for me looks like. But 
knowing that, going into it as such, and then planning accordingly is key. Like, I didn't just randomly eat a whole bunch of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and rack up 8,000 calories because I was on a binge session that I no longer know how to reel back from. Like, having a plan and being totally 100% honest with yourself, regardless of the sport, is key, especially when it comes to food because food's weird, man. Like, it's it's like a... It's something that we have to have. It's not like a like a drug or alcohol that becomes an addictive substance that you can literally just quit cold turkey. Like you can't really quit cold turkey with food because you will die. Uh, so you have to embrace <laughs> it and then know how to use it. You know. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. You know. And not only that, but like somebody brought something up to me the other day. You know, because I used to like when I was really fighting my eating disorders, I was always like, you know, food is not fun. It's fuel. And while food is fuel, like it is something that brings camaraderie, right? Like, 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 you know, with the crew, right? Like you all have barbecues and, and like when you have family around, you have like food happens to be part of the experience. Like food is something that brings people together and it's something that can fuel us and make us feel good, but it's something that can be, become the experience and it's something that can drug us and we can uh, lean on it for higher power and we can lean on it for comfort and for and persist you know like like emotional sustainment rather than just like physical health sustainment right so yeah food is definitely a weird thing but i think i think that um there's a there's a balance and you know i think that it's something that we have to go back to i feel like we've lost it with like convenience stores and grocery stores and like not hunting for our own food and just all the things that i've become more aware of you know like when i went hunting i was like man like if I had to do this to get my food, food would not be this thing I was addicted to, man. It would be like something I really appreciate and cherish, you know, and like it would be a good time to have with around the fire roasting the pig I just shot. But like, man, like with, with convenience, I just feel like there's just so much smoke, right? That gets yeah. in the way of like how we should really, um, uh, you know, live. And like when it comes to food and how we have that, what that relationship looks like. Totally agree, man totally agree i love it i love it well what else can we uh touch on here we kind of want to we're about an hour in we'll be respectful of your time um anything else come to come to mind any any enlightening thoughts that you learned about yourself that others can benefit from as a result of your mm. last contest prep hmm, hmm. thinking i'm thinking um i would I, I if i could just dri- i do want to drive this one point home like I said this before, and I think this is really key. Do not let your circumstance change your results. Because like, I know when people hear this, I don't know this is going out, but people are still going to be feeling the things of this pandemic and all this craziness. And like, I think, again, one thing, if there's anything I really learned in this whole experience, it's that you are never not in control. When you tell yourself you're, you're not in control, you were in control of making yourself think that like there's no such thing as no self-control you can make yourself feel like you're not in control because you've convinced yourself of that paradigm but you're always in control and you can't let your circumstances and you can't let your situation stop you from achieving your goals because if it's not the pandemic then it's something else and then it's something else and then something else right like we're always going to find a reason why we can't just take ownership of why we're where we're at and do something about that to achieve what we want to achieve. And so that's probably the only, like, that's one thing I really want to drive home that I I definitely learned in all of this. I like that, man. I like that a lot. You said it perfectly. I feel this, this pandemic has been great at illustrating how we as a human race and also just as an individual uh, reacts in the the face of uncertainty, fear, and lack of control. Like by default, we're always wanting to control everything. That like, we want to control, you know, everything that we do in a day. That's just human nature. But so many things took place that are outside of our control. So how do you you have complete control of your attitude towards those circumstances? And there were so many times throughout the prep where I was, I'd go for, I'd work out, and I'd go for my my daily run after my training. And then I would just sit and meditate and I would be like, you know, I have no control over the show going on or, or getting canceled. I have no control over the gyms opening or closing, but I have control over my attitude and my outlook and my perception of all of these things. And if I 
maximize the quality of that, then I can make this a win. And I feel like we always have that at our disposal. So being able to capitalize on that and make the most of it is key. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't know how much time we have left, but uh, something that, um, you know, just to go back with that, something, there's two things I did every morning during my, uh, during my contest prep. I didn't know this, but like, I would like take a shower after I worked out and the steam would hit the, the, the shower uh, wall and I would write with my finger, I will win, right? Um, and then like, I remember like the last day it was cool because I got to like write, I won and I wipe it off and look at myself in the mirror. And it was like this cool, like Rocky moment. Nice. Um, but, but like, um, there was that. And then the second one was kind of like what you said about your meditating made me bring this up was I always told myself every morning I would get out of bed and I would, I would sit real quiet and I would think to myself, John, your reaction is always going to be your responsibility. And, and then I would go on about my day. Like that, that would be the first thought I always told myself in my head before I even went to the bathroom when I woke up. Like it was always, especially like when the pandemic started and everything got locked down, it was, John, your reaction is your responsibility. You can't control anything else but how you respond. So respond. Amen to that, brother. That needs to be a tattoo or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, sweet, man. Where can people go to find out more about you and follow along the journey and, and see you become the next Boston Marathon world-class elite runner? That's right. Let's go. Uh, so uh, Instagram, at the Keto Road. Facebook, the Keto Road. Everything, the Keto Road. TikTok, at the Keto Road. I don't, I'm not shy away from that. Um but yeah, so I mean, everything literally the keto road. How's your intro go, man? What's going on? It's your boy Jake Shane, <laughs> the keto road. The keto road. I had to get you to say that at least once. Love it, <laughs> love it. Well, I will link out to all of those. Uh, let me know. Let me know when you're in Arkansas, man. I'm gonna take you sailing. We'll go for a workout. We'll go for a run. Let you smoke me on the run, and uh, we'll just catch up, brother. Always a pleasure. Yeah, for sure, man. I would love that. Let me know when I'm there. Sounds good, man. Till then, take care.